The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome once again, Disability Law Show. If you're tuning in for the first time or the 101st time, it's a good call. You're going to learn lots here over the course of the next hour. Savannah Tumarkin, of course, here. And Albert is alongside answering all of your questions. We get a lot of emails every show, so we're going to try to plow through as many as we can. And that would be help at disabilityrights.ca. I want to remember the phone number anytime. You want to have a chat with uh, one of the guys or member of their team, always ready. Toll free, 1-855-821-5900. And another resource, which we refer to all the time on the show every week, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That is a place where you can, well, as it says in the title, you can ask your disability questions. There's a searchable database. That's the best part of it. So you can search for one similar to yours. If it has been uh, filled out and answered in full, you can just read it and walk away. If not, leave your question there, and it will be answered again free and anonymous, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Okay, guys, lots to get through. Savan, uh, I guess you're going to start off. What's going on, pal? Hey, John, it's been another busy week, and uh, let me start off. We have quite a few things to cover here, and of course, we have Albert, so mm-hmm. we're going to go through some of the emails that we've been receiving over the past uh, week, uh, phone calls, and other cases, and again, the purpose of this show is to educate people, to arm people with information when they're dealing with a long-term disability uh, insurance companies. One of the things that uh, you know has been happening in the past uh, few years, uh, and I have to say I've been delinquent on this, is... Uh, People call us uh, asking for further information about things we cover on this show and on other shows, John. Mm-hmm. And it's you know subsets of information. For example, we talk about appeals, why you should not be appealing an LTD denial. And people have more questions. And CPP disability and the interaction of that yeah. with their LTD claims. How do you deal with difficult adjusters? What should your doctor write down in a report uh, to help you with your LTD claim? Uh, What do you do with independent medical examinations when your insurance company wants to send you to one? What are your rights? How should you behave during those things? How do you deal with return to work requests Mm -hmm. and demands from your adjuster when you're dealing with your long-term disability? Surveillance, things like that, tons of topics. And so what, what what, what we've been doing over the last few weeks is putting together short, uh, frequently asked question memos. And we're going to be posting them on our website. For now, For now, if you have any questions about LTD appeals, CPP disability and LTD, dealing with difficult adjusters, doctor reports, what your doctor should be writing, uh, how should you be dealing with independent medical examinations, return to work, surveillance, things like that, simply give us a call, email us, and one of our intake staff will simply email you the memo. These memos are usually two to three pages long. They simply answer the most frequently asked questions. Uh, literally a paragraph or two that gives you the information that you need or that whoever it is you're contacted, contacting us on, on their behalf requires. Uh, these are free. Uh, and, and like I said, we're going to be posting them on our website. We're going to be adding to these memos each week. That's something that you don't typically see on, on uh, most websites of lawyers and, and law firms and insurance companies who deal with long-term disability, John. Uh, but this is really sort of the culmination of all this information that we give out each and every week on this show, on other shows, on our TV shows, simply to help people out there navigate their long-term disability claims and issues. So I wanted to put it out there, and I think we're going to mention this on a, on a weekly basis with the Good. shows so that people know. 
I, I want to move on really quickly. Um, somebody at my firm uh, that sort of checks out uh, news uh, news reports every day sent me uh, a, a quick note saying that yesterday, not yesterday, sorry, earlier this week, um, there was a statement from the chief uh, chief public health officer of Canada about COVID nineteen long haulers. Okay. And essentially, what they're saying is, or what they're seeing is that more than half of COVID-19 patients may suffer from post-COVID syndrome uh, more than three months after testing positive, according to this new review. And again, you can go on the Canadian website uh, and, and uh, you know, that deals with the uh, statements from the Chief Public Health Officer of Canada, and you can see this. Uh, and what they're saying is that according to their findings, more than eight in 10 people, so more than 80% of people experience at least one long-term symptom of COVID-19, and these, these symptoms linger for four to 12 weeks after the initial diagnosis. Wow. Over half of the patients said that the health issues lingered past 12 weeks. We're talking about fatigue, shortness of breath, pain and trouble sleeping, anxiety, hair loss, persistent cough, lots of these kinds of things. How does this factor into our topic here of long-term disability? Well. Albert and I have both been getting calls as well as other lawyers. And again, remember, we do this work. We help people with long-term disability claims in three provinces in Canada, in Ontario, in BC, and in Alberta. And we're seeing the exact same uh, types of questions and concerns from individuals suffering from COVID-19, uh, from, from these long-haul symptoms. Some of these symptoms are physical. Some of them are psychological. Now, when these individuals are applying for short-term disability and sometimes long-term disability, right, as we're seeing COVID-19 continue to stay with us, we are getting a lot of people contacting us who are saying we're, that they're being denied uh, disability from their insurance companies, specifically LTD. And, and, and there are different reasons for those denials. I'm saying reasons, but really they're excuses. And this all leads us to the exact same point that we keep hammering each and every week on this show which is this, if you are disabled from working as a result of a physical issue or a psychological issue, if it's because of COVID-19, if you're a COVID-19 long hauler, if perhaps you had COVID-19 and uh, you know the physical symptoms are gone, but you have psychological issues because of that, the point is this, if you cannot work because of an injury or an illness, psycho uh, psych psychologically or physically, and you have doctors who are confirming this or saying you should be off work, you should be approved for long-term disability. And if you're not, you should be contacting us. Don't, don't play with the insurance company. Don't play their games. Don't go through the appeal process. Don't walk away from the money that's owed to you. If you cannot work legitimately as a result of COVID-19, whether you're a long hauler or there are psychological issues that remain, you need to contact us if your insurance company has denied your claim because we we deal with these kinds of issues and we resolve these kinds of issues. It's actually not that difficult to resolve these issues. But these insurance companies only understand one thing. They understand when they are faced with a lawyer or, or a law team that has experience in this field and they understand that the majority of people will simply not do that. Most people will give up on their rights. They will give up on their claims. So please don't give up on your claims. At least come to our website just so you can read about what your options are, what you can do. Arm yourself with that information. John, I'm telling you, each and every person that comes to us, we give them information. We, we don't always tell everybody that we can help them, right? It's not in every case that we can help. But in the vast majority of cases, if we tell you you have a case, you have a case. Yeah. It means the insurance company owes you money. If you, if you choose to walk away from that, that's your prerogative. But at least find out. 
if you have a case against the insurance company if they've denied your long-term disability claim. That website, by the way, disabilityrights.ca. Do you think, uh, Savannah, this is something, because it's new, especially COVID-19 last year and a half and the long haulers, et cetera, et cetera, these are uncharted waters for these insurance companies, So, and it is for people suffering from this as well. So there may be a lot of misinformation or ignorance on the part of people suffering going, oh, maybe, I, maybe my insurance doesn't cover this, and maybe the insurance company is capitalizing on that saying, no, no, you don't qualify, and uh, we're denying your claim. Would that, would that be part of what's going on here? 100%. Even though it's not about yeah. the diagnosis it's about the symptom absolutely there's a lot of misinformation some of it i think is is uh on purpose i think there are some people out there who just want to cause trouble and want to you know confuse people but i think on the whole on the whole uh when there is misinformation and miscommunication i think generally it comes from people who have the right intentions. so for example uh, you may be denied long-term disability and you go to a friend of yours and you tell them that and that friend says you know what I know somebody and, and, you know, they went to this lawyer and nothing came of it and, and, you know, they ended up spending a year of their life trying to fight the insurance company, nothing happened. Well, maybe they went to the wrong lawyer. It doesn't mean that your case is the same as this other person's. On the other hand, somebody may tell you, go to this lawyer, he'll get you a million bucks, you know, again, again, you need to get the right information. There's a lot of misinformation out there. When it comes to long-term disability, and Albert can tell you the exact same thing, we have come across individuals who legitimately cannot work, they have some issue, whether it's because of COVID-19 or something else, they go to their doctors and their own doctors, family doctors, chronic pain doctors, other doctors, they tell them, don't bother dealing with the insurance company. Mm-hmm. I've had other patients that have tried you know, to, to make that claim. And once they were denied, that's it, case closed. You can't do anything about that. And that's just not true. That's not true. It's not that these doctors are trying to uh, you know, somehow mislead their patients. It's that they're doctors. They're not lawyers, right? right. They can't, assi- I'm never going to give medical advice to someone. I'm not a doctor. The same way the doctors should not be giving legal advice. Same kind of thing also when we're dealing with how to apply for long-term disability. You know, one of the main criteria for getting long-term disability is to demonstrate, to show to the insurance company that you are quote unquote totally disabled. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you go to your doctor, John, let's say you have psychological issues, you have anxiety, depression, PTSD, whatever. You go to your doctor and you tell your doctor, I need to apply for long-term disability. And uh, in order to get LTD, I have to show that I am totally disabled. The doctor may interpret that phrase, totally disabled, the way any other lay person would, which yep. is that when I tell you, you know, that phrase, you're thinking catastrophic. You're thinking totally disabled. I mean, you must have amputations of all your limbs or you must be brain injured or in a coma. That's not what that means. Totally disabled simply means that you're unable to perform the substantial tasks or the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years or any occupation uh, beyond the two-year mark. So my point is that there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of it comes from people who mean well but don't actually understand what the real law is in this area, which is why you need to get the right information. No different than in medicine. You've got to go to the right doctor to get the right information so you understand your options. Without that, you are, you know, in ignorance land, right? I mean, you're basically playing into the insurance company's hands. 
And the right lawyer as well. I mean, I'm sure you might have a real estate lawyer or a family lawyer, but no, you want to go to a long-term disability lawyer because it's not a jack-of-all-trades right. situation any longer for sure. Guys, got to take a short break. Lots more to go. Uh, I know you have a few more things you want to discuss before we get into our emails, which we will do. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the way you do that. And the phone number, toll-free, of course, one 821 5900 Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome back. Disability Law Show. Good to have you along. Savannah's here. Albert is here answering your questions anytime before, after, during the show. It's really easy. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And you go to the website, disabilityrights.ca. Take it right to the firm. There, there's more information, more contact, and links to our long-running TV show as well. A 30-minute piece of what you get here every week. So you want to check those out. There's an archive of shows as well. Okay, right back at it. Savannah, where are we taking this one? Okay, so so uh, I just got an email and I want to read it out. Um, I'm not going to uh, mention some names here, just so this person cannot be identified. And I'm going to ask Albert to actually uh, comment on this. I know he's had experience dealing with long-term disability claims in relation to teachers, specifically in Ontario. Uh, So I want to see what he says about this. Uh, so this is a lady here. She's 55 years old. She's been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Don't actually know what that is. Uh, sounds very serious though. She went on short-term disability in 2019, and uh, February 25th, 2020, uh, when she applied for long-term disability, she was denied. She sees her family doctor, who supports her being off of work. Uh, She's a teacher, um, so she's dealing with OTIP, um, and we've had experience with them. She works at um, uh, one of the uh, district school boards here in um, uh, Ontario. Uh, She is a unionized employee as a teacher, uh, and she's earning close to uh, six figures here. So she was denied LTD. We don't actually know, Albert, why exactly she was denied LTD, but we've had the, this, these issues come up before uh, with teachers. What has been your experience uh, dealing with LTD denials in the context of teachers uh, who are obviously unionized employees? I mean, many, 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 people, uh, many people think, and I have many people come to us that, and say they spoke with another lawyer, and the lawyer said, we can't help you because you're unionized. Uh, I can tell you specifically with OTIP, we can. I've helped out many, many, many different clients. Uh, and in fact, we've dealt with them on many different occasions. And and for someone with the uh, different set of issues that you're dealing with, obviously you know you know best that you can't really work. Uh, and from my limited understanding of this Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, I understand it's pretty, pretty severe and it's pretty serious. Uh, so you definitely should be supported. And I mean, it's not uncommon for any insurance company to deny right at the outset. And certainly this is something that we can uh, help you out with, especially given the fact that you do have the support of your family doctor. So I think you should contact us right away. Absolutely. The fact that you're unionized isn't going to bar you from actually being able to commence a claim. So that's important. Uh, and Otherwise, you want to try and get as much support as you can. If, if you're not seeing someone already for your fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue, and of course for your Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, uh, you absolutely should. And sometimes I, I look at these claims as a bit of a power by numbers exercise. 
And so what I mean by that is really the more doctors that either you can onboard or we can onboard uh, to help support your claim on paper and uh, verbally if need to, or if need be, the stronger your case is going to be. So if not, not only we have a family doctor, but let's say we have a rheumatologist or a pain specialist who's going to help you with your fibromyalgia uh, to support your claim and support the fact that you can't do your job. Because really at the end of the day, this is a functionality test, right? It's questioned for the first two years. So from, uh, from in and around early 2020, whether or not you can do your job as a teacher. And I suspect that it's the case that you can't. And after that two-year period, we have to prove that you can't work in any capacity. And really, your doctors are going to drive that home at the end of the day, and we can help kind of package that message to OTIP. We've done it many, many times, and absolutely, you should give us a call. Yeah, Savannah, unlike you know the the employment side of things, which of course is the other half of your firm, you can, as far as long-term disability, you can help unionize employees. Some people think it's the same thing right across the board, right? Yeah, in many instances we can. Not in every case. And yep. in fact, you know, those little memos that I mentioned that uh, we're creating now, frequently asked questions. We're going to do one that deals with uh, the, the cross between long-term disability and employment law, uh, unionized employees, etc. But yes, Excellent. in the LTD context, uh, we can underline the word can uh, help many unionized employees. Uh, there's an analysis that we have to do uh, based on the collective agreement to figure out if we have standing. In other words, if we're able to represent a person who's having LTD issues against their insurance companies. But I'll tell you this, if we can, if we, if we say to you that we can, uh, one of the worst things I think you can do is decline that and choose to have your union represent you because unions have no expertise with long-term disability. That's not what they do. And yet, despite that, they try often, uh, you know, again, meaning well uh, to, to help individuals with LTD issues. John, I want to go to something else here just, uh, you know, just because we're talking about teachers. Uh, I had another situation. This one is a lady out of BC. She's a self-employed dance teacher. Albert, I think you're going to be speaking with her, I believe, uh, okay. uh, potentially this week. Uh, so this lady uh, it suffers from, from cancer. She pr uh, purchased a private disability policy. So remember, John, most people who apply and get denied LTD, uh, they have LTD coverage through their work health benefits. Right. But some people that don't have that choose to purchase private insurance. And so this lady did that. Uh, she was initially she initially applied for uh, partial disability and was denied in 2018. Her doctor informed her that she cannot work and uh, she applied for LTD as well. Again, she denied. Uh, she was denied. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. And when I got to the end of, of the information here from this email, I was livid. She hires a lawyer. I don't know what kind of lawyer. Don't know who that lawyer is. She hires the lawyer and fought the denial or so she thought. She kept being denied and had several mediations, which is very strange. Mediation is usually that process where Albert will tell you as well, that's where we resolve most of these kinds of cases. It's when we come to the table at this point with COVID, it's through Zoom now or some other uh, uh, online platform with the insurance company, with a third party, and we, we resolve the issue. We resolve the LTD claim and we get our clients money. Now here, in this case, this lady hires this lawyer. This is back in 2018. Okay, The insurance company keeps asking her for more doctor's notes. Again, the doctor uh, supports her the entire time. Okay, At some point, at some point, she's offered a settlement of less than $10,000. Okay. 
She's told that if she accepts that, she will be cut off her insurance coverage for all time. She refuses the offer. Again, I have no idea what happened with that lawyer, but apparently he's still representing her. Okay. Fast track this. Why is she contacting us? This is that last line in that email. You ready for this, John? Okay. Get this. Her lawyer told her now that they've gotten to the end of the line of what he can do. And here's what he tells her. He says to her, he doesn't know what to do next. She should be contacting a disability lawyer. Oh my God, are you serious? I am serious. Do you understand this? This is like like having heart problems, going to a doctor who's trying to treat you for the heart problems, and at some point tells you, you know what, I have no idea what to do anymore. You should really go to a cardiologist. <laughs> oh my God. That's insane. Talk about negligence. How could this lawyer you know, take this case off? I would never take a family law case, a tax case, an immigration. I know nothing about these areas of law. I know people who practice, who are very good in these areas of law, who are specialists. I will refer you to them. I will never take one of these on. I will stay within my lane because I know disability law. Albert right. knows disability law. I don't even know properly employment law. That's what Lior does and other lawyers at the firm, right? And so I would refer you to them. I am livid. With, this is insane. So this lady who hired this lawyer based on a denial that happened three years ago, who's now wasted three years, now is told by her lawyer that she has to go and find a disability lawyer. I, w I, if I, I would strip that lawyer off his license. I, I, this is just insanity to me. And this lady, remember, she suffers from cancer. So, you know, again, you know, I know we're all shocked, but I was shocked. Trust me, I, I had to actually to read that line several times. I just, it didn't compute. So my point is, you need to make sure, I'm talking to you as in the audience, if you have a legal issue, whatever that issue is, whether it's long-term disability, whether it's employment, immigration, family law, criminal law, you go to someone that has a certain reputation, that knows what they're doing. You go to someone who... Again, it's difficult sometimes to know because based on you know billboards out there and websites and all these fake awards that some lawyers put up, it's difficult to know who knows what they're doing. Yeah. I get that. But you want to make sure that you get the right team in your corner because if you don't, you're going to be wasting years. You're going to prejudice your case. I, I bet you that this lady now, even if we came in there and swooped in there, I don't know what damage that lawyer did because remember, when we're handling a case from beginning to end, we know what we're doing. The case is, is like a house. You got to build the foundation correctly. You got to do the case correct. How many times, Albert, have you, if somebody come to you uh, because some other lawyer has screwed up the case and, and you've examined the case and you then make an analysis if we can even repair the damage that some of these lawyers have done to these cases? Because some of the, the damage is unrepairable. Well, so, well, sometimes they just take way too long to act and they just think that right. they can appeal and that these appeals are going to be successful, but little, little do you as the claimant know, or you as the person hiring the lawyer, that you only have a certain amount of time to actually initiate a legal claim. So if your lawyer just intends on continuing to appeal and not actually start a claim, you could actually miss out on the time to start one altogether, which is very, very problematic and tough to uh, kind of backtrack from. There are things that we can do, so if that does happen to you, by all means, call us. But yeah, some of these things are, 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 are very damaging to a case, and it's, uh, it's, it's very disappointing to see. I mean, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still reeling over this, uh, uh, this dance teacher. I, I can't believe that. I mean, and three, three years, too. I mean, I know. This, this, this should be long resolved. 
Yeah. No, I mean, we resolve these kinds of cases sometimes within weeks, sometimes within months. Very, very rarely do we have an LTD case that goes on for longer than a year. Every case is different, John. We've had cases resolve, again, Albert will tell you, where uh, a person was denied, denied, denied their, their LTD claim, uh, and they've come to us, and we've written a letter to the insurance company, haven't even actually started the legal claim, just written a letter. Uh, and the insurance company, we, we get a phone call from, from usually a defense lawyer, and, and they say, you know, we made a mistake. We'd like to reinstate your client, despite the fact that they had all the information they needed. And, and part of that, I think, a large part of that, I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn and the horn of the firm and all that, but you do have lawyers like Albert. You do have lawyers like James, like Tamar, other people who are, have been on the show. And, and the reputation that we have in the field, these insurance companies know who they're up against. They, they understand that we're not going to go away. They understand that when we're advancing a case, we are standing 100% behind that case. With all our expertise, with all our financial power, we will go as far as we need to. So when you're hiring our firm to help you with your LTD case, you're not just hiring us based on your specific case. You're hiring the reputation of the firm. This is a huge, huge thing. Right. This is a big thing because really everything we've done up until this point is working in your favor uh, and insurance companies understand that. So anyways, this is I, I wanted to bring that out because it was just so shocking to me what this lady went through. So so there are things that may happen before we get involved that may prejudice your claim. You need to make sure that you go in hard with insurance companies. These, this is what they do for a living. These insurance companies, they 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 deal with these kinds of claims. Their goal is just it's very simple it's to not pay you or if they have to pay you to pay you as little as possible so you need someone on the other side to pry the door open and force the insurance company to pay you what you're owed let's take a short break guys more to go you want to reach out uh, that's exactly why you reach out that last story for sure the number simple 1-855-821-5900 it's toll free the email address which we're going to get to here in a moment is help at disabilityrights.ca and for any other time free questions and answers about LTD can be found and written by you and submitted at mydisabilityquestions.com it's the disability law show on global news radio you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto disability law show you're still with us good and uh, you want to reach out to albert or savan anytime one 821 5900 is how you do that and you can email anytime help at disabilityrights.ca and shorten that simply to disabilityrights.ca and you will jettison over to the uh, firm website lots of details contact and uh, links to our television show there as well okay guys take it away where are we going uh, so man you or albert's up next I- i'm going to read some uh um, a particular case again that came through the system uh at the firm um, so this was emailed to me, and uh, interesting scenario here, and I'm going to see uh, what Albert thinks about it. Uh, I think it's multifaceted, and it, uh, it could be quite interesting for our listeners. So uh, this is a, an individual from Toronto. Uh, he had brain surgery uh, back in February of this, uh, of this year. Hasn't been working, has not been getting paid while he was off the surgery. Uh, he's still not working, by the way. Um, he started long-term disability in April of this year uh, for about three months. It was supposed to end apparently um, in July. 
um, well, it's ending now apparently, hasn't received any LTD payments from the insurance company. So in other words, even though he was approved for three months, he has not been paid for those three months. Um, now, he also, unfortunately, in addition to the uh, brain surgery he had, he got COVID during the surgery or around that time frame. So he was seeing a neurologist and an infectious disease doctor. The insurance company uh, notified this person that he was deemed fit to return to work based on the opinion of the infectious disease doctor and supposed to return to work in July of this year, so this month. He doesn't think that he can do his job. A lot of focus and brain power is required. He's a, he's a, a fund manager, a wealth fund manager, uh, and uh, he's still experiencing frequent headaches. He believes he needs a lot more time to recover. Uh, he would like to speak to, to a lawyer, that's why he contacted us, about the fact that he has not been paid uh, these long-term um, uh, disability benefits. So remember, the insurance company uh, had approved him for a duration of three months, which is quite strange, by the way, because usually they don't tell you we'll approve you for X amount of months. They'll simply tell you we'll approve you, and then we'll reassess every so often based on the medical reports that you're giving us. So he needs to understand, and he wants to understand what his rights are. Uh, so my initial thoughts, Albert, I'm going to get yours here, is first of all, we're dealing with a fairly severe condition. I mean, brain surgery, getting COVID during brain surgery, we're in the middle of this whole COVID pandemic, despite the vaccines and everything else. We have multiple doctors here. Apparently, the various doctors he had confirmed that he cannot work. The insurance company is saying that based on the opinion of their infe of the infectious disease doctor, they think he can go back to work. Now, we don't have the, the clinical notes and records of the doctor. But what I find many times, John, and I think many listeners who have been in this position or know someone in this position will say the same thing, is insurance companies, tend, you know, they tend to comb through the medical reports and clinical notes and records of doctors and they cherry pick information and then they put that information together in a way that does not actually reflect reality. They're simply taking something from here, something from there. Maybe the doctor said this person is better and the insurance company seizes on that, except that the doctor may have said today this person is better, you know, but yesterday he was not or she was not. So my point is insurance companies tend to really cherry pick from the medical reports and clinical notes and records that they get. And on the basis of that cherry picking exercise, they deny many of these claims when it's completely clear that these insurance companies understand that the person cannot work. I think, Albert, you have actually a case uh, where, where you're dealing with, with something like this, and we were even talking about, you know, can this uh, potentially mean that the insurance company is, is uh, exposed to punitive damages, extra contractual damages, because clearly the insurance company, the adjuster, knows what they're doing. They understand that they are cherry-picking information. They understand that they are denying on, on false on a false narrative that they've created that is simply not true, that the person cannot work. And keep in mind, this guy here, this guy is making six figures. He's in his 40s. So you understand, John. I mean, somebody who makes that much money in their 40s has probably another 20, 25 years worth of, of work. If that person cannot work for the next few years, you know, the insurance company is trying to save itself uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in LTD payments. So we've seen this story play out many times before. Albert, what do you think about this? I mean, this is not a, not that unusual for us to see, but I'm sure you've come across this. 
Well, yeah, I've seen, I've seen it many times. Uh, I mean, the case that you just referenced is very similar in many ways. Uh, in, in the case that uh, I have, my client was denied on the basis of an independent medical examination. And my client had very, very severe psychological issues. Uh, and she was regularly seeing a psychologist, regularly seeing a psychiatrist. But for some reason, uh, be- because there was one head exam that my client had maybe three or four years ago, the insurance company decided, I'm going to send my client to a neurologist and see what the neurologist says. And of course, neurologists are very, uh, very intelligent doctors, but they're not, they're not experienced in assessing psychological issues. And they sh- therefore should not be determining whether someone can work from a psychological capacity. And in this particular instance, the neurologist even said, this is, these are the limits of my findings. I can only assess this person from a neuro- neurological standpoint. And so in this, in your case as well, um, it, 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 it's very clear that uh, you have some neurological issues and you should not be being assessed by an infectious disease doctor. I mean, that makes no sense, right? You're not, you're not saying you can't work necessarily because of COVID. You're saying that there's a lot of focus and brain power that you simply can't do. And you're experiencing a lot of headaches, which to me just scream neurological issues. I have no idea why they wouldn't have sent you to a neurologist and why they just stopped the analysis right there. And when they do stop the analysis very short and they don't do their due diligence, they don't speak to your doctors, they don't send you to the right person uh, for an assessment, they're not doing their due diligence. That is bias. That is potentially going to lead to a claim of bad faith. So absolutely, you should definitely contact us. There's no reason that they shouldn't have paid you for the three months that they promised you that they would. We're already into July now, and uh, and now you've been without money for three months. Absolutely should not happen. Many screw-ups on this on this front, so please definitely contact us. And here's how you do that as we get to one small break and uh, move on from there, one 821 5900 toll-free, of course. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show continues. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address. You want to reach out to Albert or Savannah, remember their respective teams. No problem. You can use the email address. You can call as well. Toll free 1-855-821-5900. And a good place, a good forum for you to ask questions free and get some answers about LTD. Also totally anonymous. That would be my disabilityquestions.com. Okay, last few minutes are yours, uh, Savannah. Take it away, pal. Well, let's go to that website, John. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. There's a question that was posted by uh, by John from Edmonton. And here's what, uh, what John, uh, the John from Edmonton says uh, in the question. I've been seeing a psychotherapist for the last year for my depression and anxiety. I'm also on medication to treat my depression. Both my doctor and therapist agree that I'm not able to work. The insurance company is questioning if my therapist is helping me recover quickly. The insurance company is looking to send me to a therapist of their choosing, in addition to me doing therapy with my current therapist. I have great rapport with my therapist and feel that she's doing a great job. Can the insurance company force me to use their therapist? 
-hmm. I believe that they will be paying for the therapist and that I would be also seeing my current therapist. So this is interesting. And it's interesting because, again, those little LTD memos that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, I'm going to be creating one as well that deals with reasonable treatments because there is a provision in every long-term disability policy that says that to qualify for LTD and to continue getting LTD, you must uh, undergo or uh, participate in reasonable treatments. The word reasonable is the operative word here because what does that mean, right? Um, this individual here uh, clearly feels that his own psychotherapist is very helpful despite what the insurance company feels. Right. Uh, it's not unusual. We've seen this many times, Albert and I and the rest of the team, people coming to us and saying the insurance company is pressing me to go to a therapist of their choosing, to go to a doctor of their choosing, to go to a clinic of their choosing for treatments. We're not talking about assessments not an assessment, not an independent medical assessment, right. which they have a right to send you to, but for treatments. I have yet to see a long-term disability policy that states, that actually has a provision in it that states that you must go to a therapist, a doctor, or a clinic of the insurance company's choosing. And if you were to ask the insurance company, if you were to ask your adjuster whether or not uh, there is a provision in your policy that stipulates that you have to go to someone they suggest, they will not be able to find that provision, most likely. What they'll do is they'll say, here's a provision about participating in reasonable treatments. We believe this is a reasonable treatment, so therefore, we believe that you must go, and if you decline, we'll cut you off. So then the question becomes a practical one. They're not telling John here not to go to his therapist. They're simply saying, we want you to go to another therapist will pay for that other therapist, you can continue going to yours. So the question then becomes, what's going to happen if he declines? What happens right. if John says, I don't feel comfortable going to the therapist of your choosing? My view is that if, and Albert, you give me your, your two cents here in a second, my view is that uh, there is no harm in you trying to go to the therapist that they're sending you to. I know usually I say don't go, but they're not telling you to switch therapists. They're telling you, or they're telling this person here who, who wrote the question, that you can continue going to your therapist, but we want you to also see the other one. If you outright say, I am not going to go, they may take the position that you're in breach of the policy, even though I think that he's not ultimately, because I think ultimately he's still getting therapy from a therapist of his own choosing. It's not like he's refusing all treatments. I think he is undergoing reasonable treatments. But what's the harm of going to that other therapist at least once or twice to see if there is any help? If there's no help, he can come back and say, you know what? I don't think that person is helping me. I'm not clicking with them. I think that it's, you know, it's just not useful for me. I'd like to remain with my own therapist. I think at that point, he'll have a much stronger argument to say, you know what? I don't want to go anymore to the person you're sending me to. I have my own therapist that I feel comfortable with and I will stay with. But I think you have to be careful in simply declining completely outright in this instance, saying that, you know, you don't, you don't want to go to their therapist. So th those are my thoughts. I know generally I say, John, that, uh, you know, you, you have a right to decline going to a treatment uh, prescribed by the insurance company. But in this case, it's not instead of the therapist that he's seeing. It's in addition. Right. I don't know that it would be wise necessarily to just dismiss it outright. What do you think, Albert? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I think there's a practical answer to many of these questions and a technical answer. And I think technically, you're probably going to be on the right side, uh, right side of this if uh, if things were to actually play out. 
before a judge or if someone else was have was going to have to decide whether or not you were right or wrong. But you have to decide whether or not you actually want the fight. And so I uh, usually when potential clients come to me, I say, look, I mean, this is probably a reasonable basis to uh, to deny or decline what the insurance company is trying to get you to do. But you're also probably going to have a bit of a headache. And as much as we like the work, I don't want to put you in a situation that's invariably going to lead to you being probably being cut off. And so if it's not going to be too much skin off your back, it probably doesn't hurt to try and go go to this assessor. If you don't feel comfortable with them, that's a whole nother thing. But at least you can say you've tried it. And then when when everything when everything's written down on paper, you're gonna you're gonna be seen as someone who's really tried to do everything they can to try and get better. And basically you wanna take arguments away from the insurance company, right? So if you do end up going, then the insurance company can't argue while you've been declining reasonable treatment. But at the end of the day, I mean, if it's going to be detrimental to your mental health, if you find it very, very difficult to speak to someone else, I mean, that's another story. Everything's case by case. But generally speaking, you have to kind of weigh weigh out the practicality versus the technicality. It doesn't sound like the hill you want to die on in this case, Savan. Yeah, it doesn't. And, you know, I I really like the way that Albert had uh, phrased it. You know, as lawyers dealing with this kind of work, it would be to our advantage to give the advice of you don't have to do it, you are right Mm -hmm. according to the law, and you should stand your ground. And all that's going to lead to most likely is work for us, right, and and stress for this individual. So we do things differently. We we don't operate like many lawyers do. We it's not just about us. If somebody contacts me, and I deal, John, because of these shows and the media exposure and everything I do on the radio and TV. I get contacted countless times, just like Lior and other people at the firm who do these media um, uh, shows, by people across the country. And the vast majority of people, we give the advice of how you can avoid having to hire us to represent you. So when you're saying this is not a hill you want to die on, technically, as Albert says, you have a certain right you can enforce. But do you really need to? Is it going to harm you? You know, at the end of the day, if we need to fight the insurance company, let's fight the insurance company, but let's do it only when there's no choice, when they've really trampled on your rights. Sometimes they're asking for things for you to do. It's not a big deal for you to do it. If it's not a big deal for you to do it, then just do it, right? Don't let them, don't give them the excuse to cut you off. If you don't feel comfortable, or as Albert says, if it causes you harm, then of course you stand your ground and we will help you if they cut you off. But it's really important to understand what the practical decision is and what the technical or legal decision is. And and we're trying to give both of those pieces of advice to people so they can make that decision at the end of the day of what's best for them. And that is it for another one. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The number help at disabilityrights.ca. The website disabilityrights.ca. You can go there as well. And finally, free answers and questions about LTD Anonymous. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.